What's up, coaches? Hope you guys enjoyed your week. Uh, we've already had several coaches, 40, 50, 60 coaches, sign up for our free standard membership on our website, runthepower.com. You guys make sure to go over there, check it out, go sign up for it. It's free. You'll get to see kind of what we'll do here starting in August with our premium membership. But you get to keep that free membership, that standard membership forever. Uh, we'll upload not as much, but we'll upload some videos to it. And then in August, we'll start our premium membership, which you can pay monthly or yearly with that. Uh, and you'll get to see kind of how we put together our offense, uh, our run the power offense, but not just power, uh, a lot of different schemes. And we don't necessarily use all of them, but how we would install those, how we install those with guys, how we have installed um, different parts of that with our guys. Also, we've had uh, six coaches so far agree to doing our 16-coach virtual football summit for next uh, February. So we're really excited about that, guys. It's going to be awesome. One of the one of the first of its kind, as far as that we know, um, we're going to put it on there for free. We're going to put a clinic up there, let you guys watch it for free live, um, go on there. Uh, and then after it's live, we'll set up a thing where you guys can go on, uh, buy the all access pass and you'll get all the, you can buy all the videos, have them as one big set, but we're going to put it out there for free. If you show up and, and you're there live that when we put it out, you'll get to watch it for free. Something that's uh, as far as we know, never been done, and we're really, really excited to do that for you guys. Uh, we can't wait for our virtual summit uh, coming in February, and we've already got a bunch of really big-time coaches signed up to do that. So excited about what's going to happen here in the future at RTP. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to athletics programs around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program more efficient, more accountable, and smarter when it comes to measuring your team's effort in the weight room. Uh, you can visit their website and start a 14-day free trial for our members, for the, our listeners of RTP, rather, uh, at teambuilder.com. And that's team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com. This episode is also brought to you by the always powerful Sideline Power. Sideline Power is the industry leader in coaching communication. Offering cutting-edge technology and innovation, Sideline Power helps coaches around the country elevate their programs to the next level. With new and used headsets, end-zone cameras, drones, portable sound systems, timers, and much, much more, Sideline Power works one-on-one -on -one with some of the most influential coaches and nationally ranked programs in high school football. They continue to help coaches push the envelope of player and program development. From NFL-level coaching communications to cutting-edge video technology, Sideline Power encompasses a full array of products needed to unleash the full potential of any program. Throughout the expansion of their product offering, Sideline Power has remained committed to offering quality coaching communication at price points for every program. They're family-owned and operated with a customer-first mentality. Sideline Power is truly the number one choice for coaching communication. You can go visit them at sidelinepower.com, uh, by email at info at sidelinepower.com, or give them a call at 800 496 4290. And then last but certainly never least, uh, this episode is brought to you by Skycoach. What Skycoach is, is it's a proven sideline replay technology that will give you the advantage over opponents utilizing anything else. They have 24 7 support, flexible network that works in any stadium and any size crowd, and it's the most reliable, innovative software available. To be the best, you must use the best. That means having uh, a wide shot and a butt shot all in game, all just seconds after the play. Uh, you know, talk about putting yourself above the rest. Uh, that's what that's what they're talking about. You get it right now. You get multiple shots. It's awesome. I get to use it at Broken Arrow. I'm lucky to have it. Uh, it's been tremendous. Don't let your team down by choosing something inferior. Sky Coach is the market leader in sideline replay. You can visit them at myskycoach.com dot com to learn more again coaches don't forget to go to our website runthepower.com and go check out our standard free membership uh, and go check out everything that we have to, to give you guys and and help you guys out and finally on this episode of rtp we talk with jason mackendoo coach mackendoo is the only cowboy backs coach in america and he's over at oklahoma state university Prior to OSU, Coach McIndoo was the offensive line coach at Montana State University for several years. Listen as we talk with Coach McIndoo about his interesting football journey as an offensive lineman at Washington State University up into his college coaching career. The story about how Cowboy backs came about and what skills they must possess at Oklahoma State. <laughs> 
and the teaching and learning methods he uses to develop his entire room in the offseason, fall camp, and in season. You can follow Coach McIndoo on Twitter at Jason McIndoo. Hope you guys enjoy. Thanks, Coach. Well, I know you're on a tight schedule, so we'll go ahead and get it going. Um, you know, yeah. kind of how we start start all these is let you introduce yourself. Uh, so if you just kind of want to introduce yourself and, and talk a little bit about your football journey as far as playing days up to uh, coaching and then uh, now over to OSU with the, with the Cowboy backs. Yeah, my name is Jason McAndrew. I grew up on the coast of Washington, a little, little town called Cosmopolis, a little, little logging town. I uh, didn't even have a stoplight in it. A uh, little mill town is right next to Aberdeen, Washington, uh, and that's right next to Hoquiam. Um, the Aberdeen-Hoquiam game is still one of the oldest uh, high school games in the West Coast. I think this year will be 118th game. So that was kind of a fun rivalry back then. And um, those towns are about mm, about an hour, about an hour and a half west of Seattle. So, um, you know, talking to people and ask, people ask where you're from, say, well, have you ever been to – Aberdeen or Hoquiam, people say no. And then you say, well, you ever, you ever been to Ocean Shores or Westport? Well, yeah. Well, so you, you drove right through both those towns right there on your way out to the, on the way out to the beach. So, uh, yeah, so I lived at a dead end, small town. Um, uh, my, my folks, my folks growing up, my dad worked in the mill. My mom was a school cook. And, uh, you know, blue collar, we lived at a dead end. Um, you know, I figured growing up that sports would be my way out or my way to get a scholarship. So I really, really started uh, applying myself and bust my bust my butt in the weight room and trying to get better and going to camps and figure out that maybe someday I could get a scholarship. And um, my senior year, going into my senior year, my dad's mill shut down. So they, they took their seventh check and they bought a U-Bake pizza place in Montesano, Washington. And so they've... They've since owned that pizza restaurant now for 25 plus years. Uh, my younger brother, my younger brother uh, runs a sports bar in the back. So it's mom and pop. My mom does all the cooking. My dad does all the bills and kind of runs the place. And so I didn't, I didn't get to spend much time with that because I was on my way out to, to Washington state and I did get a scholarship. And so I ended up going across the state to play for coach price and the Cougars over in Pullman and absolutely loved it. Um, you know, going through the recruiting process, uh, it was it was fun, but uh, to me the recruiting process is all about the right fit. Uh, I took trips to Notre Dame. I had Nebraska on the, on the docket, a few other schools, and at the end, a trip. My first trip was was to Notre Dame. Then my second trip was to Washington State, and I committed after my trip to Washington State, and it just felt like the right place. Um, you know, I, honestly, Pullman feels a lot like Stillwater, Oklahoma. I mean, it's a college town. It's um, you know, the main thing to do there is football. And I love Coach Price. He was a player's coach. Um, and I felt like I, I could go there and start for four years and play. And I wanted to be an impact player. And so that felt like the right fit for me. And it wasn't too far away from home, but yet it was far enough away. So I um, really enjoyed my time. And, you know, at the end, it worked out. We ended up winning the Pac-10 championship my senior year. Uh, beat the Huskies in Husky Stadium to go to the Rose Bowl. Uh, played against Michigan uh, in the 1998 Rose Bowl. That was Greasy and Charles Woodson. Still waiting for my two seconds. At the end, of that, at the end, at the end of that game, that's where we. Uh, Ryan Leaf was our quarterback. We had the ball in the minus four, and we ran a hook and ladder down the sideline. And guy didn't get out of bounds, so um, we ended up getting up on the ball, and we we were on the plus twenty going in. And if you watch the game today, there's still three seconds left on the clock. And then when they reset the ball, it went to two. And then we tried to spike in the ball. Obviously, you can't do that. So we we. Uh, we ended up losing the game 21-16, and Michigan shared the national championship with Nebraska that year. So, Jeez. Uh, so that was the end of that. Or you know, that came that college came to an end there. Then I got to go to the combine and got drafted by the Seattle Seahawks in 1998. I spent uh, my I got drafted by Dennis Erickson, and then uh, Erickson got fired after that first year. Then my second going into my second year, Holmgren got hired, and in between there, I got allocated to NFL Europe. So I was on my way out to Berlin Thunder. And Coach Holmgren was coming in, and I remember go <laughs> having a meeting with Coach Holmgren and said, uh, you know, hey, Coach, I'd like to get the playbook and I introduce myself. And he said, well, what do you need a playbook for? And I said, well, I'm going to be over in season NFL Europe. I'd like to come back and know it. He's like, I don't, I don't give out playbooks. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> and uh, so you're going to come back and, you're gonna have to come back and learn it. 
when you get back here? I said, okay. So I uh, went to NFL Europe. That was a great experience. Uh, and then I got to come back. And then well, after my second year with the Seahawks, I wasn't a homegrown guy. I could see the writing on the wall. So I signed a free agent with the Saints. Went and played down there in 2000. And then, um, oh, I got cut after, the, I think, the second game of the season there. And then I kind of bounced around, worked out, worked out with a bunch of teams. Kind of the same thing. Don't call us. We'll call you. And then um, I got back I got back to Seattle. And uh, my wife, Ruth, and I, we drove back to Seattle and then uh, lived with uh, my sister-in-law for a while. Uh, but then there was a high school coach at Lake Washington High School. I had, a, I had an internship set up there to coach. And then, but when I left for the Saints, I couldn't do it. Well, the coach found out I was back in town, asked me to come out and coach. I didn't quite know what I was going to do. At that, at that point in time, you're kind, of, you're kind of pissed off at football, obviously, you know, and not sure what you're going to do. And so but I, I knew I always wanted, I wanted to coach. So I went out that first day and, I mean, just fell right in, felt right at home. And so I ended up coaching at Lake Washington High School for, for two years. And then I went to uh, Whitworth College in Spokane, east, in, uh, in Spokane, on the east side there, a uh, little NEI school, got my master's in, in teaching, was uh, coaching there, was coaching JV, O-line, I was getting my master's, then head coach at Montana State, calling off from the O-line job in 2003. So I left, uh, went to Montana State, and we were there for 13 years oh. as the line coach. And then um, I'm going to my fourth year here at Oklahoma State now as the Cowboy Backs coach. So. Kind of a whirlwind, but uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a great great process, great journey, that's for sure. As I say, a lot a lot of football, a lot of um, not a whole lot of change uh, turnover though uh, for as far as um, college coaches go. I mean, I know a, a few different places, but uh, there's a few of those coaches that have have gone to a lot of different colleges throughout the years, and you know, with only a few, it sounds like. Um, you know, you said your your coach at Washington State was more of a, a players' coach. Is, is that what you kind of see yourself as? I know you don't – when you had first – when I first met you, you first look at you, I, you probably wouldn't guess that you were a player's coach, but a big, <laughs> big uh, gruff, like a, like a man, like, you know, like if you think, think of someone from the Pacific Northwest. But uh, you know, your players consider you a, a player's coach as well? Oh, yeah, you got to have the intimidation factor first. Um, <laughs> walk, walk softly, carry a big stick. No, um <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think that's where I learned it. Coach Price, uh, players coach, you know, always gave guys second chances. And I think the thing I learned over the years, players don't care how much you know until they know how much you care about them. And I, I really, I really took, I really took it on. Um, I really learned that at, at Montana State when I first got there in 2003. You know, I figured, you know, I, I need linemen that are going to be six five, three hundred pounds like me. You know, Division One kind of guys. I'm going to get those guys at Montana State at the FCS level. And let's face it. <clears throat> at the end of the day you can't so right. you got to play with you got to play with who you got so I had some I had a ragtag bunch of group of guys and so at the end of the day I was I just had to I, the best way to get them to perform better was to pour in them and then make them believe that you or you know make them believe that, that they knew that you 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 cared about them number one and you believed that they could get the job done and once I did that we started you know started building into those guys and they started started going and started, you know, started getting it done. And I mean, I, I had 6'1", 6'2", 265 pound centers, you know, I mean, just find a way to get it done. And those guys played their, their asses off. And I had, a, I think in my 13 year run there, I think I had eight all Americans uh, during my, during my time there. So we had a good thing going there, really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, just carry that over today. I mean, you know, here with the Cowboy backs, I mean, just, you know, really pour into those guys and, and, and really be a mentor. And, and that's one of the reasons why I coach. And I think we all kind of coach is because you want to make an impact in guys' lives. And it's not about the rings and watches. It's not about X's and O's. It's about getting phone calls from guys that played for me 12 years ago and, and want to tell you that they you know, bought, bought the first house or they're having their first kid. Or I got a, a great text message from a kid the other day. just said, hey, coach, I never thanked you for all the things you did. And so I called him right back. We had a great conversation. Just, you know, stuff like that, you know, and, those are the those are the moments that you coach for. Yeah, I love love what you say there about you know pouring into those kids. I I just think so many coaches and, and it's easy at the college level to you know sit down with a guy that's coming into your building and they're recruiting kids and and all they want to do is talk about how they don't have the six six three hundred and twenty pound tackle. We don't have the the super athletic left tackle yet. So I got this ragtag bunch that you're ex- describing there, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, it's like. I feel really bad for the guys that are in your room because, yeah. you know, those, those guys want to be coached. Those guys want to be good. And at the same time, they want to hear, you know, someone push that confidence into them. So when they go out into life, 
you know, that, that's, that's what happened. I got pushed to a whole new level because somebody believed in me. And uh, I think you hit the nail, the nail right on the head, man. That's why we coach these high school kids, you know, build that confidence when they go off to be husbands or, you know, business owners someday that they have that confidence to go get it done. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the high school level, what I think, what I believe you all are doing is you guys are getting those guys ready to go to college and preparing them for the next level. And then one of the reasons why I like college ball is I feel like I'm, now I'm getting them ready for life. Because when they leave, when they leave Oklahoma State now, when they walk out that door, their diploma in their hand, life is going to hit them between the eyes. And did I do my job to help them prepare to be successful in life, a successful husband, father, uh, you know, contributor to his community, those sorts of things. I mean, that, that, that's what's important. And along the way, if you're doing it right, you're going to win championships and you're going to kick people's butt and people are going to want to be a part of your program and your culture because you're doing it the right way. I'm, good. I'm always curious, Coach, when you were at uh, Montana State and so you find out, you know, you can't recruit the Division One type kids. What are the type of offensive linemen you're looking to recruit, knowing that you've got to find a few, uh, you know, diamonds in the rough, if you will? You know, are you looking for the tall, skinny kids or are you looking for just purely off film? Uh, what, what are you trying to find uh, in those kids that did end up, you know, becoming All-Americans and, and things like that at a smaller school? You know, honestly, what I did was I took the I took the more athletic type of guys that could run, maybe a little shorter, a little lighter, but I knew I was going to have to develop them and pour, pour resources, resources into them, which is hard because you don't really have them. But those are the kind of guys and, that I really went out and got. And honestly, the other thing that I really started to do, and I still do it today, is I started building a psychological profile, if you will, and when I was doing my master's and I was in the classroom teaching, I mean, you got to, that's back when No Child Left Behind was coming in effect. And basically they said, hey, look, it's, it's, it's still evident today. I mean, you got 35 kids in your classroom. Not all those kids learn the same way. And you got you to teach a couple this way. You got to teach a couple this way. Hey, plus all the personalities. So kind of what I started uh, really leaning heavy on is I kind of developed all these profiles and psychological profile, learning profile. And I started applying in recruiting because – what I found is once, you know, once you get the kid on campus, he's there, you're stuck with him. But during the recruiting process, if you can weed through the kids and figure and find those kids that you're looking for that fit that kind of fit that mold, that's what I kind of started doing. I kind of started hitting some home runs. And, and basically what it came down to was the type A personality guys. I mean, I had a lot of success with the guys that had a chip on their shoulder and just said, hey, man, maybe they were inch and 10 pounds too short or they didn't get a scholarship over here. But so they were pissed. And I'll show you attitude, and they would come in and just be lights out. And basically, you know, I'm going that way. So either get the, either get the hell out of my way or get behind me. But I'm going over there. <laughs> and those are the kind of guys that you know kind of started weeding through and figuring it out, and started having some success with that. Coach, that's awesome. I love when when guys try to find you know that that extra edge. Um, the other thing I've noticed uh, about you as well, you know, just knowing you through through Coach Bartell, which I think we may as well get him mentioned now because he's kind of <laughs> one of the one Donnie of the connections B. we had, old Donnie P. Uh, but he's always he's always told us, you know, how big of of a family guy you are, and how important it is for you to be a great dad and be a great husband. And then you know, you go to your Twitter Twitter profile and and you see all the the cool things that you're doing with your family on your time off. You know, how important is it to you to you know, hey, I'm going to preach that to my kids and we're going to be a family and we're going to do that. And at the same time, you know what, you're living that and you're a, a living proof and a living model of all that. I, I think um, I think it's very tough, honestly, in, in this day and age, especially with everybody getting pulled in all the different directions and all the different stuff going on. Um, I, I think the one thing uh, quite a few years ago, the word that really stuck with me is intentional. I, I think in order to be a, a good a good husband, a good father, and a good, you know, be a good family manager. You have to be intentional about doing it. And that means sacrifice. And especially being a coach, I don't care if you're the high school level, college level, pro level, whatever it is, this, this, this job is demanding. I mean, it is demanding 12 months a year, year round, not to mention if you're not, you know, you're coaching other sports, all the things that you got to do and the recruiting and everything goes along with it. So at the end of the day, when you have your personal time, you got to be intentional. And I'm not saying I don't have hobbies. I don't like to do stuff, but I mean, really, this is a short window. This is a short season of time. I mean, I was just, I was just watching Coach Harper on Twitter, you know, working on snaps with his five-year-old son. I mean, I just had flashbacks to working with my son at five. You know, now he's 16 and driving. We're just, you know, <laughs> going into sophomore year of high school. So the time just flies by. So I think every day I just try to be intentional, try to try to plug into those guys and, and kind of put your, your hobbies, your wants, and your needs on, on the back burner a little bit and pour into my wife, Ruth. I mean, um, you know, the – 
the luxury of being a Oklahoma state level versus a Montana state level is that she gets to be mom now for all 13 years at Montana state. She made more than I did wow. <laughs> and working for working four or five jobs. I mean, I don't know how we did it. I don't know how we kept our head above water, you know? So that makes me work harder. That makes me want to get up and do a great job and re- be a good recruiter and be a good coach and be a good, the best coach that I could be here at Oklahoma state. Cause at the end of the day, I'm the only one that has this job. I'm the only cowboy back coach in the state of Oklahoma. And I don't take that lightly. And I know there's, you know, everybody listening to the podcast. I mean, there's, you know, there's always somebody out there that wants your job. <laughs> I mean, every single day. I mean, somebody, there's, there's a thousand, two thousand, five thousand guys out there that, you know, want to be where you are. So the grass isn't always greener on the other side. And, you know, I've always been a firm believer in doing a great job of where you are. Coach, you talk about your son a little bit, and I know it, it can be weird. I don't know all the recruiting rules, so I don't want to get you in any trouble. But if you were at a high school level, it's kind of always my question for coaches with sons because I'll, I'll go through this eventually. If you were a high school coach and, and your, you know, your son was going through your program, is that something you'd want to be directly in contact with him and coaching him, or is it something that you'd kind of rather be on the other side of the ball and kind of let him doing his own thing at practice? No, I, I think there's I think there's merit for both sides. Uh, I think me personally, knowing myself, I, I'd like to be hands-on, uh, involved with him during that process. I mean, it is. I mean, I've got four kids. He's my only son. I've got three daughters coming up, so this is <laughs> this is the only <laughs> you only get one shot at it. But um, you know, yeah, I, I think I'd like to be hands-on and help help him through the process. You know, I'm even thinking a couple years down the road here when he goes to college. I mean, do you want him? in the same program you are, do you want him somewhere else? So his own oats, you know, I, I can go either way with it, but selfishly, if he's around or he's in your program, then you can be there to watch <laughs> and, yeah. and be around because, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to obviously do both or again, sacrifice has to be made, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to be hands on or, you know, a little bit and help him through that process. It's really cool from the coaches we hear from because we hear, you know, we've had obviously quite a few dads. You're here about 50-50. And, and I can't remember Walls, what, what's your dad, if he was on the same side or not. But, uh, you know, my dad, I know, coached me at least when I was younger. And I always loved it. And I've always wanted to do that with my son. But there's about half the coaches I talk to that are like, I, it's just something that wouldn't work between us. And, and I've got to be on the other side of the ball as, as, my, as my kid. Sure. Well, you know, there was that point. I mean, I coached, uh, you know, base him through baseball, and, and I didn't really do Pop Warner football, but it was more baseball in the spring because I could do it. But there came that point, I think it was about 12, 11 or 12, where, you know, that, that stopped, daddy ball stopped. So, <laughs> and then and then got to be just dad. And so I, I did like that aspect of it because then it's hard to always be the coach and dad. So, I mean, on the other, on the flip side, I could also see that. And it was it was good because then he could step back and, you know, just talk as dad and not as coach. So, yeah, I mean, it could definitely go both ways. Yeah, my my dad was more hands-off, definitely. He he kind of wanted us to be independent. He didn't want anyone to, to really mess with us. He's like, you know, the whole – in a smaller town, you kind of had some of the politics of, you know, you're playing because of your dad. He didn't want to have any of us to have to deal with that. So he kind of yeah. went the opposite way. And, and honestly, it worked out perfectly because, you know, still have a great relationship with my dad, you know, never had any points of contention, even though there were some times where, you know, he'd challenge me and, and say, you know, <laughs> oh, you, absolutely. you know, you need to, you need to, you're sitting here complaining to me and you probably need to go work a little bit harder, you know, and, and, and that wasn't easy to hear, but at the same time was what I needed to hear. So I think, right. you know, him not being around all the time, just in my face, coaching, coaching, he could kind of be the, the eyes in the background and then he could really tell you and say, here's what you need to do, man. <laughs> well, techno- I mean, technology is amazing these days, right? I mean, obviously what we're doing with the podcast, all the things you guys are able to do, but then also with huddle, you know, and right. so when I'm on the road or I'm not around, I can't watch, you know, I get home and with Luke, we'll, we'll pull up huddle or we'll watch the game. We'll go through and he and I will watch it. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, it looks like I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a CPA. <laughs> I don't drive a bus for a living. I'm a ball coach. So, I mean, I'm just telling you the things that I see. <laughs> so, you got to chuckle about that. At some point, I guess he does roll his eyes a little bit. And says, <laughs> All right, Dad, you're right again. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> it's so, it's yeah. so funny because, I mean, it and it, it's so hard because you, you hear some of the, the coaches all the time, you know, saying these things, a kid should do this, a kid should do that. And, I, again, I always go back to me. I'm, like, thinking – well, when I was a kid, I would have never done that. I would have hated that, or I would have, I would have never listened. Like having those experiences and, and going back to, you know, 
those, those rough patches or those rough moments and just remembering, dude, you were a kid at one point and you made a ton yeah, of mistakes right. and you right. can re- relay that to your kids. I think instantly, and I'm, I'm sure you're a coach that can do that because you know, you, you kind of breed that into those guys. Hey, at the end of the day, I mean, the, the game's got to be fun. I mean, kids got to love yeah. to play the game. I mean, if, if, they're, if they're not having fun, they're not going to want to do it. It's too much work. I mean, it's too hard. I mean, it's not for everybody. But you gotta love what you, you gotta love what you're doing, and so you know. Then I just I just tell them just to have fun, let it rip, and you know play the next play. That's the other thing. Just you know, just let it go, play the next play. You know, don't don't beat yourself up. You know, you gotta you gotta move on. Well, uh, you, you know, you talked a little bit, touched a little bit on on the cowboy back, and so I'd kind of like to get back into that. Uh, yeah. Two parts, kind of. You know, first, how'd you guys start using that? Did you come up with that? And then and then the other thing is, I know it's like a hybrid tight end fullback type where a lot of schools have a tight end you know and this is what we want in our tight ends this is what we want in our fullbacks I know at Oklahoma State it's a lot of you know he's, he's got to wear two hats he's got to play tight end sometimes he's got to he's gonna be the same guy back playing fullback so what are you looking for uh as far as you're recruiting somebody because he's got to be able to play a little fullback he's got to be able, uh, able to play a little bit of tight end as well and I'm sure yeah, it's out uh, at OSU yeah, I mean, the big thing here at Oklahoma State, I mean, first and foremost, Coach Gundy, in his whole tenure here at Oklahoma State, had never had a tight end coach. It, it was air raid systems that always had a outside re- receiver coach, inside receiver coach. And so uh, the year that 2015, the year he brought me on, uh, he wanted to bring a blocking element and and have a, a guy that could coach that tight end. He wanted to bring the, the three-man surface back with a, with a lead blocker. So that's kind of how – I, I kind of came in the mix here and um, and I, di- I didn't know Coach Gundy and, um, you know, he kind of hi- hired me over the phone, honestly. So I didn't have any ties to Oklahoma State. And um, when we talked, he, I had, I kind of had, in, uh, I knew a guy, I kind of sent my resume in and I kind of, I never heard from Coach Gundy, never, never called, never, never uh, touched base with me at all. And then finally one day my phone rang and it said Coach Gundy on my phone and I picked it up and, he, uh, <laughs> he said, it was, it was Coach Gundy at Oklahoma State. And I, oh, you know, he asked if I'd be interested in this tight end fullback position. I said, absolutely. And, and he said, okay, do you, you know about Stillwater? And I said, yes. And, and uh, so my wife and I, we've done some research. We'd love to be there at ag school and, you know, rural. And, and um, he said, okay. And the second question was, does, he, uh, does your head coach know what's going on? And I said, uh, no, but he will when, when I get off the phone. He said, okay. And he said, all right, well, I'm going to make a few phone calls and I'll call you back. And we didn't talk about any X's and O's. We didn't talk about much at all. He just, you know, we talked about a little bit of uh, 4-H and ag and stuff. And he said, got back to me. And so later on that afternoon, he called back and said, hey, I'm, I'm going to offer you the job here at Oklahoma State. Will you, will you? And I said, yes. And he said, well, I didn't, I didn't told you how much you're going to make it. I said, it doesn't matter. He has it's irrelevant at this point in time. I'd love, you know, absolutely love to to be in Stillwater. So that's kind of how we got here. And then when I got here, uh, you know, having played O-line and coached O-line my entire life, uh, figuring out this cowboy back, this hybrid position was really new to me. And so uh, the reason why cowboy back term came about is because Coach Gunny didn't want, he didn't want uh, tight end fullbacks on my business card. So he said, you got to come up with a name, figure it out, <laughs> you know, come up with this marketing tag. And so I was sitting here going over, you know, pistol peep back, super back, outlaw back. I'm like, man, what am I going to call this position? And I'd always call it just a super back before or H back like everybody else. And so I'm looking across my, my office there and said, the Cowboys, I said, hey, how about the Cowboy backs? And so he's like, that's awesome. We can market the crap out of that. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, so then it, yeah, it's evolved in the hybrid guy. So really um, the Cowboy back here is the, it's a, basically a three three prong position it's tight end fullback and a wide receiver all rolled into one we want to play as fast as we possibly can we don't want to substitute we want to roll up and down the field multiple formations and get, get put defenses in binds um it's been a fun position to coach honestly um having played o-line coach o-line i thought you never had time to coach o-line between all the run blocking stuff you had to do the pass pro plus the screens and play action passes there's no time but they're <laughs> There is absolutely no time coaching this position. <laughs> no. I get we get three endos. We get three endos to start practice and I mean between between all the run blocking stuff, the route running, the ball catching, the different formations, different techniques, it is it is crazy. So it's forced me to be a better coach. Uh, it's forced me to be a better coach and just just more knowledge, you know, a, a better knowledge of this total offense, uh, 
you know, coverages, play, you know, um, passing schemes, play action passing schemes, all that kind of stuff. The, the funny thing is the offensive line coach, people always say, well, what do you, what do you know about being, you know, what do you know about the passing game? You're just an old line coach. <laughs> you're in the same room the whole time and you're talking, you're talking pass concepts anyway. So, you, so O-line coaches know their stuff out there. Um, it's not just quarterback guys or wide receiver guys, but coaching this position has definitely have forced me to, to, to be better at all that. And, uh, you know, it, it's a fun position, man. If guys are, Guys are looking to play and play a lot. This we, we utilize the crap out of this position. I mean, it's it's been uh, we're I think my guy we're on the field ninety percent of the time. Last year was a little bit different because we had you know wide receiver group that we had. We were a little bit more ten personnel, but the, yeah, the other years before that, um, basically you know we're we're in that eleven twelve personnel set. Probably my favorite is when you get in twelve personnel, you come out and you used to go straight tempo with 12, two cowboy backs in the field and they're all over the place. That's hard for the defense to figure it out and play fast and with tempo. So uh, it, it's honestly a hard position to recruit. Uh, a lot of it has to be projection. You got to find a defensive end or you got to find maybe a bigger safety or a bigger wide out, um, you know, try, trying to find the true hybrid guys. Th- those guys are probably have 35, 40 offers. I mean, everybody's recruiting that guy because they know what, he, you know, they see what he is. So find the hidden gem is to find a guy that, you know, you're going to project a little bit as far as maybe needs some weight, you know, needs to, he's playing a different position or something like that. Well, and I think the, mar- like, like you said, the marketing of the Cowboy back just as a bystander or someone that's away from the program, I think it's, it's brilliant because, um, you know, you, you're the Cowboy back. It's like a big deal around there. That's why I've always thought like high schools that make being an offensive lineman cool or not even cool, but a big deal. I've always felt like yeah. they've got a really good offensive line because kids want to be a part of that where, you know, if you can go to wherever else and be the tight end, you're just a tight end or a fullback. Yeah. You are the cowboy back, the only one and big deal. And like you said, you're on the field 90% of the time. You get to do all this different stuff. Um, and then I'm sure he's got to be a pretty smart kid too, like you said, to, to know all the different stuff. The football intelligence in this day and this, this today's game is amazing. Regardless of what position you're playing, I mean, whether it's quarterbacks, it's DBs or linebackers or, you know, O-line or, or this hybrid cowboy back position next to next to the quarterback. My guys need to know as much as as much as him. There's not another position on the field that, uh, you know, our guys, my guys will play. They'll be inline tight on the left. They'll be a fullback on the right. Then they're going to line up as the number one receiver on the, on the left like an X. Then they might be the number two receiver on the right, like a Y, <laughs> or they might flex out and be number one Z on the right, and then have to go over and be number two on the left. I mean, and and all in the same drive, and um, you know that that takes a lot, and you have to be able to think fast on their feet. So when it comes to recruiting, I'm looking for the I'm looking for kids that are sharp, they can think fast. So you got to figure that out in recruiting. Uh, honestly, there's three different body types. I mean, you there's a place for the true six six, two hundred and thirty five pound tight inline tight end wing guy. There's a place for the the big wide out that's a good route runner that's a good perimeter blocker but maybe you know doesn't have as can't 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 hold the point of attack at, uh, in line and then you have your don't forget your 20 personnel old school fullbacks that everybody needs and everybody wants but nobody wants to recruit them because they, you <laughs> know sure well, we don't use that guy well here we use that guy and we use that guy a lot and you got to have a thumper and i want that guy to be old school downhill put his face mask on you and just try to you know put it four wheel drive and run over you and those kids, they, those kids know what they are. They know they're a blocker. They're going to touch the ball maybe a few times, catching, and they're selfless. They're they're a dang offensive guard with an eligible number. Coach, what are some things that you guys do to kind of help those guys? Because I know they're moving around. You know, is 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 it built into the formation scheme? I mean, obviously you don't have to go you know, super in depth, but how do you help those guys? And then what are some ways you are creative? You know, with the the twenty hour rule, and I know you got a meeting coming up here, and you know. 25, 30 minutes, but you know, what, what are some things you're doing that, that's forced you to kind of be creative and, and also be effective as a teacher to help those guys? Yeah, perfect. Uh, I think the biggest thing is to, to know what kind of guys you have in your room. So there's three different types of learners. There's the hands-on tactile kinesthetic learner, there's an auditory learner, and then there's a visual learner. So I know which e- how each one of my guys learns. And I'm just going to say football kids in general, football players in general, probably 75 to 80% of your team are hands-on kids. So if you're standing up there and you're just talking and you're showing video and you're talking on the board or you're you're showing whatever, you're drawing X's and O's on the board, those kids aren't listening. Those kids don't understand what you're saying. It's not until you go out on the field, you put him through the, the, the scheme that you want. Here's your footwork. Here's the route. Here's here's what it looks like. Here's your first step. Here's where we're going. And then the aha moment for the kid clicks in. So what I do is I take my group out and pre-practice, 
um, we're out there and I have a run through, we run through the entire script practice group. And I don't just, I don't just say, okay, Hey, this is your three reps. This is your three reps. I line all my guys up and we take every, they take every guy takes every rep. So regardless, they get, they get the full, they get the full run through of practice. And then we, then we come out as an offense for us here at Oklahoma state, we, we run through practice again. So the whole entire offense, we run through as many plays as we can. Then we have stretch them get practice going. So on any given practice day, my guys are going through the, they're getting three sets of reps. So they're getting three times the reps and hands-on stuff because then there's so many motions and shifts and like you said alignment issues and all this type of stuff so that's probably been the biggest thing i've learned here is to actually put them through the paces and and put them through those those situations and talk through it on the field and that's probably been the biggest thing that i I found with my guys to work is just put those hands-on guys in in a hands-on situation it's versus being drawn on a board or shown a video I completely agree with that. I always yep. wished we had, you know, more walkthrough and time like that. And but I will say, as as far as um, you know, the the up tempo style offense, the, I've always thought the great part about it, uh, as compared to more of a you know pro style offense, is you do get so many reps in practice. I mean, you're getting you know whatever double, triple the amount of reps that, that someone else did. So these kids are getting to see these plays over and over and over again, and yeah. it's something that I think at least when I played, that was really beneficial for me is just be able to see that same play, that same play you're going to run a bunch of times. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's what I was doing with my old line. I mean, the same thing. I mean, my mentality is the same coaching the Cowboy backs as, as it was with the O-line. We were going to be the first on and we're going to be the last off. And you were going to, whatever, it's going to, whatever it's going to take, we're going to put in the extra effort and mentality and we're going to, you know, bring be lunch pail kind of guys. And so – um, that's the kind of guys I have in the room and that everybody's on board and you know, we're going to do whatever it takes to, to get better. But um, yeah, there's, there's definitely so many moving parts. And then like, like I said, we hit the gas and you're playing as fast as you possibly can. I might come out. I might want the, I might want the six, six, 245 pound inline tight end to come out first, but then we get caught and then he ends up in the backfield as a fullback. And then the fullback might come out and start to set. And then he might get caught being flexed out. So you can't just say, well, okay, these are your set plays over here, guy, and these are the plays that you're going to run. Yeah. Because then when you're in the game and you hit those turbos, there's no substitution. So whoever's out there, you know, those fast fastball plays. And uh, so, yeah, you, you got to coach across the board. Everybody's got to have an understanding of what's going on and be able to play fast and, and execute and get the job done. Coach, when you guys are doing, like, run installation in, in fall camp, I'm, I've always been interested in asking this one, too. Do you guys have, like, set days where you're just, okay, it's going to be a zone day, tomorrow's going to be a gap scheme day, or do you guys just turn on the faucet and say, you're going to learn it all and we're just going to get reps doing it? No, I, I think uh, we fall installation, so it's about, uh, it's anywhere from four to seven days, you know. Four, the first four days is your heavy, you know, just your base install, then the the latter days are probably your miscellaneous things. But, yeah, definitely go with concepts. I've always felt going with concepts is the best way. Um, you know, typically nowadays, especially the first couple of practices are helmets only, so it's not it's not a, a heavy banging day. So you go with more of your zone concepts, inside zone, outside zone. Then you get the, the pads on, helmet, shoulder pads, full contact day. Then typically you go more your gap scheme because that's heavier contact. Um, you know, I think the day one install is always the easiest, right? Because, yep. <laughs> okay, it's day one. Day two, all right, a little heavier because you're still going to run day one plays, right? And then by yep. the time you get to day four, boy, nuts and bolts and screws are flying out of helmets because you're not just running day four stuff. You're running day one, two, three stuff as well. <laughs> so that, def- that definitely would separate the young guys from the older guys who guys been in the program versus, you know, guys who are learning the program. Um, so, but, yeah, definitely go with concepts. I'm a big concept guy. Well, the, uh, my, my other big question, you know, I, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, Walls did about having to, you know, be really clear and concise because we, we do have these 40-hour – you do have these 40-hour rules and there's rules in the summer. You can only see these kids so often. And uh, I know it's kind of built towards the kids and helping the kids out. But then you see over the summer, like, these kids are going to uh, external trainers. You know, even a lot of the college guys I still follow from Houston are going to other trainers because they're not allowed to be around their coaches uh, th- you think that it is beneficial getting almost, you know, no time over the summer for the kids or, or I mean, what, you know, you think it's set up, I know it's set up for them and, and probably a little bit for you guys as well, but you guys get away a little bit, but do you think it would be beneficial to get to work with those guys, maybe a little bit out on the field uh, over the summer? Oh, I, I think it would. I mean, obviously it would, but there's, there's the burnout factor, you know, I mean, they're, 
you get to the point where it's just it's over the top you know you anymore i mean gosh you run you run august all the way through the you know all the way through february now i mean it's a that's a long time so I think, um, you know, I think, yeah, I think the big thing is this external training or, you know, extra trainers or whatever. And I think a lot of that goes on, especially with quarterbacks, it seems like, um, you know, and I think, I think it is what it is. It's kind of the nature of the beast and nowadays. Now, you know, today's realm, there's lots of extra stuff going on. I mean, even at y'all's level, I mean, at the high school level, sure. you got your, yeah. you got all your stuff going on in the weight room. And that same kid goes over and spends time with a personal trainer or speed guru or whoever's going on. And, I mean, I guess it's all what everybody's willing to to put up with or willing to spend, honestly. <laughs> well, well, that's what's always been weird to me. Yeah, it's always like the quarterbacks and the kickers, you know, they kind of send them off to go to specialists, but everyone else is, is going to their own coaches. It's always been a funny uh, dynamic. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Kick, kickers and kickers and quarterbacks, they, they, they're over there. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's funny, Coach. How do you uh, how do you kind of bide your time as far as you know Indy's concerned? Um, are you trying to go about fifty fifty run pass, you know, or do you have to spend a little bit more time with routes, or you get more group stuff? I know when I coached tight ends, it just seemed like you were the guy that you always had to know what the practice plan was because every single segment you're running and you're working with somebody else. Like, all right, now you're with the O-line. All right, now you're with the quarterbacks. All right, hey, now you're going to be with the running backs. I mean, how, how do you manage all that stuff or how do you kind of organize your indie time? Is it based on yeah, need no. or is it something you just do maybe kind of work backwards knowing what you're going to need to work more on based on your personnel? Yeah, great question. Yeah, a lot to work on, not enough time for sure. And like you said, everybody wants a little bit of your time. The quarterbacks want you, the running back wants you, the O-line guy wants you. So um, what I do here is – now, the good thing is, especially with the tight end group, is that you have half the numbers. So, you know, with the O-line, you got anywhere from you got anywhere from 15 to, to 20. If you got a 20-plus low lineman, you're, you're sitting good. But, you know, you got a lot of numbers and trying to pump guys through reps, get quality reps and quality stuff at the O-line, but with a lot of numbers. Whereas with this group, the Cowboy backs only got seven guys. So basically, I'm, I'm, I take my endo, and I will cut it in half. So I will, I will work on um, come out. I'm gonna we're, we're gonna work on footwork every single day. We're working on blocking every single day. Now, if it's a zone day, then we're work on zone, split flow zone, maybe read zone, maybe uh, arc zone, whatever we're doing for the day. If, if it's a gap day, then we'll work on some gap blocking. Um, so that's first and foremost. We're gonna do that every single day, and I'm. I still carried it over. You know, I'm a, I'm a shoots and boards guy, so we do shoots and we do boards and uh, you know one man sled. Uh, big believer in that. Um, and and then uh, got to make sure we get some pass pro in there. Um, that's probably the the hardest thing for my guys is is understanding the basic pass pro princi- principles uh, and then being aggressive and physical in that part. So you got to spend some time there. I try to I try to incorporate route running the ball drills at the same time. One of the best things I ever heard in the tight end uh, drill manual. Listen to this coach. He said you never you know tight ends never run routes that are you know uninstructed or un uninhibited. There's always gonna be somebody banging or hanging on you. So anytime I anytime I work on routes, I always try to put my manager or another coach in there with a bag so they're they're smacking them you know getting their eyes somewhere else. And so they got to catch a ball kind of going through this grid. I call it nine cone grid. So just like the old line, the tight, my group, we never get to be on the field. Right. So you never get to be going with any, any sort of hash mark. So it's just like being the old line, get off the corner that you can't be over there. So I do, I do, I always have nine cones with me. So I, I set up a, a three cone grid. So basically uh, five yards apart. So basically get a um, 10 by 10 grid and then within that grid, we can run every route that we run on on the cone. So you don't really need hash marks. And so that's helped me to get go through all the routes. And and we'll we'll hit what route specific stuff that day, shallow routes, dig routes, you know, comeback, whatever we're doing. So that we'll make sure we hit the routes that day. Um, so yeah, it is it is a challenge to make sure you're getting all the stuff and the other stuff throughout practice. Then you got inside runs. We're down there for that. Then you got to go down to one on ones. Then we got perimeter blocking. Then you got to come over with linebackers. So. We are definitely on on the go all the time. I mean, it's it's crazy how much demand you have to put up with, but it's it's great. Keeps us on the move. I always liked an inside run too. I mean, when you coach tight ends, and because again, you you go to every single program in America. They're hey, you know, how do we develop tight ends? How do we develop tight ends? It didn't matter any inside run period. I was going twelve personnel. 
just to train, just to train, but just to train those inline tight ends. And that's when, you know, the OC would come down there. He's like, coach, you know, we're a, we're a one back team or we're a 10 personnel team. I'm like, I know, I know, but they're going to have nine guys in the box and we need to train two tight ends every single rep. So they, they'd learn that stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Our, our inside run period here is basically, it's, it's, it's basically short yards goal line. I mean, and Perfect. coach Gunny, coach Gunny likes it that way. And it's a toughness period. I mean, we, we just straight get after it and it's, they know it's run. We know it's run. I mean, that's what I tell my guys all the time, man, this is four minute offense. I think that's the other thing I try to do is that you said, you got to put your, you got to put your practice situations into a, a practical game situation scenario. So, you know, the most, the most ridiculous drill, obviously, in football is is inside run because the, the defense, the safeties are sitting at six yards. The uh-huh. defensive line is not thinking pass pro, so they're not thinking pass. Everybody's everybody's geeked on the run. They're coming downhill to smash you in the face. Okay, fine. That's four minute offense. At the end of the game, when you got to run the ball and they know you got to run the ball, you better be able to damn well run the ball and run the power. Okay, nope. <laughs> so, that's right. That's right. They know it's coming. You know it's coming. It's coming right at you. One on one pass rush. Another ridiculous drill because the D lineman's not thinking, okay, I'm going to work on my, my run stop and stuff. He's, he's got every move in his mind. So I'd always say, hey, look, this is, this is the end of the game. This is a two-minute drive to win the game where it's, it's third and 15. He knows it's passed. You know it's passed. you got to get it done. I mean, honestly, the, the, only, the only situation in a practice that's totally, totally on even keel is a call-it situation where you're moving it up and down the field. But neither side has a script. Yeah. <laughs> no, nobody's already gone in and scripted for success. Hey, offense, you go first. No, defense, That's you right. go first. That's right. That's right. Seven on seven? Yeah, come on. Don't even say those words on here. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> team pass. Now go team pass. Hey, let's throw, let's, throw, let's, throw, let's throw a run in there. Hey, team run. Let's throw a little play action pass in there now. Now we're talking. Now that's now we're got on an even playing field. Coach, will you, will you walk us through a little bit of, of what your in-season meetings look like? I know uh, you had talked about having a little bit smaller meetings and, and then getting to go uh, out and, and run through some of that, but what do your meetings look like on, on a normal week as far as, you know, what do you – how much, uh, you know, opponent film are you showing? How much of their own practice film are you showing? Because I think that's where everyone across the board, high school, college, uh, probably not pro because they got a lot more time, but high school and college because they've only got so much time – how much do you show, you know, what we need to fix from yesterday as opposed to what we're going to see on, on Friday or Saturday night? Yeah, uh, great question. I think uh, obviously having, having a plan laid out for the week and how you're going to approach it and, and attack it is a good way. So what we do here is basically um, on Monday is a you know, Sunday, uh, Sunday is a, a day off or as our practice day. So we guys come in, we have a light practice, light lift, um, and then watch the game film then move on and put that one to rest and then monday is basically their day off so they come in they'll come in and watch opponent tape we're game planning that day getting everything together and then tuesday starts off fresh day of the week it's a full padded day for us we'll come in at my meeting and basically i think it's really important to break down the opponent have a have it give them the gist of who we're who we're seeing who who's the best guy who's the, what's the defensive ends what uh, what type of defense they play, coverage, what's their blitz, kind of give them an overview, the gist of that. Um, I, I might show them a few plays. Um, I'll usually have a hot box with uh, top plays or, you know, all the stuff they can get on a watch. Um, and then the big thing is we go through install, uh, obviously install packets, kind of what's in for the week. Um, and I'll try to go through that as fast as I can and be efficient. And then we'll get out and we'll do that run through just as a unit or just as a position run through with my guys just on maybe a couple of new plays, new formations, maybe a new motion we got going in for the day. Uh, so everybody's feels comfortable with it. Uh, Wednesday we'll come back and we'll, we'll watch, uh, we'll watch practice, a highlight of practice from Tuesday. Uh, we'll go through new install, maybe situational stuff, third down, short yards, goal line stuff going in for that day. Again, try to get out, get, get some run through, um, go through the main stuff, the pertinent stuff. Uh, Thursday is kind of a fix it day. Uh, we'll have a, we'll have, we'll, offense will be in the stadium here. And that is a helmets only light. Let's make it, you know, the script for success day. Let's make it, you know, all run accordingly, uh, which is good. And then Friday is a big, uh, Friday is a big meeting day. Uh, we'll always have, uh, you know, position meetings, unit meetings, team dinner, that kind of stuff. That's a big test day for me. So what I do is I have a, 
I give my guys a, a test for the week. Basically, things we talk about throughout the week, you know, scouting plan, game plan. It's open. It's open book. It's open note. I mean, the guys can use the notes for the weeks. So I, I don't want to grill. I want a guy to know it. You know, I mean, if guys <laughs> look, look something that. up. Yeah, <laughs> guys look something up. Great, but your best guys, the guys that are playing, they've they've done the studying throughout the week. They understand their opponent. They know what the game plan is. Those guys don't have to look at anything. It's it's your young guys. It's the guys who don't play very much. They're the ones scrambling, trying to look through, find the answers. Um, so it's, and then we just talk through it. I'm a, I'm a big proponent. I like doing that stuff on, on Friday. I don't like doing, I don't like going over tests and stuff on game day. I want guys, I want guys to be focused, loose, you know, plugged in. Uh, I don't want to go over last minute stuff on game day. I just want to be ready to go and focus on the game. So. Huh. I couldn't agree with that more. I was, I was at uh, Houston, and we had a few different coaches that they wanted to go over. Uh, they wanted to do the test Friday night, and then they wanted to go over it with the group on Saturday. And uh, <laughs> nothing would make me feel worse than, like, when our senior center or, or whoever it was when I was young or guard or whatever it was, had no idea what was going on in certain plays. I was like, yeah, you- Saturday, and you know the coach just – Hated life at that point. Like, oh, great. We don't know how to do that. He, yeah, he was in a terrible mood. You were <laughs> feeling, right. yeah, not feeling great. Yeah, I don't want that. Let's just, let's just hammer it out on Friday and talk about it. So, <laughs> yeah, it never made sense to me. And then you could always see the coach really pucker up. And, and, um, you know, it just, I don't know. I, I wasn't really big a fan of, uh, of the tests on those days, but. I think there is a benefit, like you said, you know, testing them a few days before and letting them use the notes. And, and that's kind of what I try to do with my guys because at least they can see, oh, I don't know this. I probably need to know this if it's asked. That means we're going to use it on Saturday. I better make sure I know it. And then, like you said, it, if you've got a guy that's a junior and has been doing it for three years, he probably already knows it. It's just another way to, to get your young kids thinking uh, on the same page. Yeah, then we then we just talk to them. I'll, I'll, I'll ask questions and I'll call them guys. They'll tell me their answer and we'll talk through it, you know. And, and you know, honestly, maybe maybe he came up with a different idea. Maybe he he drew it a different way or had a different way to do it. There's and that's the other thing. There's there's lots of ways to do stuff. There's not. I mean, yes, there's a way you want to get it done, but maybe maybe a kid goes about it a different way and still gets the same results, and you didn't think about it that way. So I mean, sometimes that's a good way to talk about it and and be on the same page and then kids are like, oh, okay, I get it. Or you can understand how the kid's coming from and what he's thinking about because, I mean, you know, not everybody always thinks like you do. That's right. We had a big argument my junior year. It was probably a, whatever, two-month argument, and I still argue it to this day, and I don't even remember which side of the argument I was on. It was me and the offensive line coach and my buddy, and it was all about going under or over a defensive end on, on the whiteboard. And he said under was one way, and we said it was the other way. And that over right. was the opposite, and it was the other way. So it was just a complete miscommunication. I think we argued our point for, for months, and I don't think he ever went our way. But uh, just kind of funny how, how that, that kind of stuff does happen, and, and uh, you got to get on the same page with that. Now, I remember from previous podcast, I mean, you had did you have five coaches in five years? Yeah, so I had four. Uh, the kids a year four younger than me, yeah, had five out of five, which is crazy. I mean, That's crazy. unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, we did have yeah. one guy that was kind of through the Oklahoma State. His name was Ellerby. Uh, he kind of came okay. through Oklahoma State as well. Um, and then I had a coach, Coach Hammerschmidt, who's I think at Oklahoma State now or, or was last year at least. Uh, He's still he, here, yep. He was at Houston Man. as well. He yep. was a running back's coach. Just a, I mean, talk about yep. for us, just a great, great dude. Um, and then he was the coordinator, I think, my very last game because the other coaches got fired and, and reshuffle. And so, uh, but I, I was so happy when I saw him get to Oklahoma State because it was, you know, I, I couldn't wish that for a better guy. I love coaching oh, him. He's, and, and he's awesome. Yeah, he, he's, he's, forgot more, he's forgot more ball than I know. <laughs> hey, you know, coach. When I was Mo- yeah, go ahead. I was just say, go ahead, tell your story. I was saying, when I was at Montana State, in the 13 years I was there, I went through seven coordinators. Jeez. And it got to it got to a point where, you know, it didn't matter didn't, didn't matter to me what they wanted to run. I just wanted to keep my system the same because my guys are the same. You know, I wanted to keep right. the calls the same. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's like I don't. It didn't matter to me if you were a zone guy or a power guy or you wanted to run pin and pull. You just well, just tell me what you want to run and I'll block it. Just let me <laughs> let me let me have the terminology. You know, don't get caught up and you want to call it this because you know let's not go there. Just let me just have it. I'll, I'll get on the same page and we'll run what you want to run. And, but yeah, I mean, terminology is huge and just consistency is huge. 
Well, yeah, yeah I, that's one of the big awesome things at, at Oklahoma State, I would assume, you know, with, with a head coach that's been there, seems like longer than any, any uh, college coach in the nation almost. I mean, I remember growing up, that's the only one I knew was, was Gundy, you know, there at Oklahoma State. I, I've got to assume that not having that turnover, although I'm sure you do at coordinators and assistant coach positions, but at least having that same head coach year in and year out, you know, just it's just such a smooth transition from year to year. And, and also what I was just talking about today with another coach, just the, the expectations for the younger kids because the older kids know what to expect. And you've got a sophomore, junior, senior class that does it the right way. So now when that freshman class comes in, you know, you don't have to teach the older kids as far as what's, you know, what, um, what you expect out of them, um, you know, in practice or, or effort-wise or in the weight room or outside of football in the classroom because they already know what's expected. They've been around that same staff for, you know, three, four, five years, whatever it is. Now those freshmen, freshmen just kind of assimilate into acting the way that the older kids act. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my time here at Oklahoma State, that's, that's, that's been exactly it. I mean, Coach Gundy's done a tremendous job here, built the program basically from, from bottom up. And, you know, now we have, you know, talk about cowboy culture. You know, what what is that? Well, that's everything you just described is – it's how you act on the field, off the field, how you carry yourself on the campus, how we carry yourself in this building, how we carry yourself on the field. You know, there's a standard. This is how we're going to do it. This is the way we're going to do it here at Oklahoma State. And and really, it's about the kids. You know, we're looking for the kids that are going to fit in and we're going to plug in. And it's not about them. It's not about, you know, what they're doing individually. It's about what they can do as a team and being a team player. So uh, I think that's been, that's been fun to be a part of here and, and help build that culture. Coach, the question I was just going to ask you was, you know, what, what's the uh, what's the cowboy standard of music for Coach Mack? Are you a, a Nirvana guy since, you know, they grew up in Aberdeen right by where you grew up? Or you a, you a country guy knowing that uh, you maybe grew up in some of the, uh, the Midwest, went to some of those schools? I should say the Midwest, but out in the country, in rodeo country. You know, great, great question. I, <laughs> I like to listen. I listen to everything, really. But growing up, I was uh, I was kind of – that whole scene was kind of, I was a little bit, I hadn't quite hit that scene yet. I think I was, I just started listening to Guns N' Roses and Metallica when that stuff started <laughs> happening. There you go. Um, but then, you know, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, yeah, of course, yeah, Nirvana is from Aberdeen. A little a little side side uh, note here. So my freshman year in high school at Aberdeen, the bass drummer's younger sister was a senior, and she was like 6'9", and she she bought, a, her, her brother bought her a brand new four-door Geo Metro back then so that would have been like what nine, 1990 89 somewhere in there right when they hit it big and uh, I, thought, I don't know why I stuck out my brain but yeah <laughs> yeah Kurt Cobain that guy was that guy was they put a statue up in Aberdeen of that guy he named his kid he named his kids after a, a serial murderer who like hatcheted 10, 10 of her kids with a hatchet how about that there you, yeah there you go I've watched, I've watched all those shows, like the history of Nirvana, for whatever reason, that it, it just really, really interests me. I mean, the, the, the roots, kind of how he, you know, got to the mode he was, you know, obviously problems with his family, but then, you know, all the places they recorded, like their first big album, I think In Utero, was recorded in like Milwaukee or something like that. And yeah. that just like shocked me. I'm like, really? You know? Yeah. Some like some like random dude that just, yeah, this tiny studio, they came in, we laid it down. I'm like, all right. Yeah. I'd have to say now I'm a, I'm a country guy through and through, though. I, I enjoy country. I was going to say you almost have to be, I think, uh, coming from, from there and then now being in Stillwater. I think it's almost a prerequisite. Good move. Right, yeah. In yeah. Oklahoma in general, but, you know, in Stillwater as well. Well, Coach, I, yeah, I know it, you're – you know, we know you're really busy uh, and you got places to go. So, it's been, you know, working on an hour. Uh, so, last kind of question that we ask everybody is, um, you know, when you're watching another team's offensive line, uh, what's some things they'd be doing that would make you think really highly of their offensive line coach? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that jumps out to me is a guy, a group that plays together. Uh, guys that they play as five, they play as, as all five guys play on the same page. You know, they're they play for each other. You can tell in the film that um, you know they're getting after the guy next to them. They're uh, rolling down the field, at the, you know, finishing plays. That's that's the big one. Down by the pile, guys. I want guys who you know, want to be pile guys. Get down by the pile, uh, picking guys off, helping the ball carrier up, wide out. Uh, I want the guys on the sideline. You know, guy goes out of bounds on the sideline, especially in enemy territory. You go out of bounds, go get your guy and get him back on the field. I think to me that's always impressive when you see five individuals playing as a group and rolling down the field. And that's how I, that's how I wanted my guys to be seen. 
you know, very, very proficient with their technique, uh, very solid tech, you know, sound fundamental technique, but then just played, just played gritty and tough, tough ball. And, you know, that's the group that on the season be like, Hey, we got to watch out for these guys. They're going to be rolling down the field. You better keep your head on a swivel because they're, mm-hmm. they're coming to pick you off the pile. That's how I play. That's how we play to Washington state. And that's how I, I coach my guys. And that's how, that's the kind of stuff I look for when I watch other teams for sure. Well, to me, that's the the gold standard of, of what you want every offensive line uh, to be coach. And I know the, that you would uh, most definitely have your guys doing that. It's been awesome having you on, man. I appreciate your insight. I wish we could sit here and talk for about two or three hours. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. You guys do a phenomenal job. I, I really do appreciate it. I love how this has turned out to be a, a national deal. I love listening to it every week. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it'll allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.